Hi, everyone. Dave Therian here, and uh, this is Christmas week. So what better topic to speak about this week than Christmas and what it's all about? And, you know, today we're going to talk about getting ready for Christmas. That's important. Anything of value, anything important that we do, we want to learn how to get ready for it, wouldn't you say? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go right into a previous sermon that we did, oh, a few Christmases ago. And I want to share this with you because it really helps our hearts to get ready for the greatest event, the birth of the Savior coming into the world. So let's get right back into our service. Amen. How many here have ever gone on a vacation? Good. Good. How many have ever put on some kind of a party? Good. All you party people see me after. Start a new ministry. How many have ever gone on a picnic? We've got more party people than picnickers. That's interesting. Okay. Now, the reason I ask those questions, because as different as they are, they all are similar as well. They all require preparation. Those three things, you don't, you don't just do them, you have to prepare. As a matter of fact, the greater the event, the greater the preparation that is needed. A wedding requires much more preparation than a simple dinner date. A dinner date is like, hey, you want to go out and eat? Okay. A wedding, that's like a year of planning and preparing for that. Go on a picnic, you got to get the food, you got to get everything ready. Go on vacation, you got to think, where am I going? Do I need tickets? I got to pack my bags. Where's the suitcase? All that kind of stuff. So, like I said, the greater the event, the greater the preparation. So, when I think about Christmas, I think about a great event. It's like the greatest event. God with us. And therefore, it requires great preparation. We're going to talk about preparation today, but not so much preparing for the things that adorn the Christmas season, but the things that allow us to enjoy and appreciate the season. The things that adorn the season, you know, those are the lights, the trees, the wrappings, the food, all that stuff. But the things that allow me to appreciate the season, here it comes, are the things of the heart. I want to give you today three simple ways to prepare your heart for Christmas. One has to do with sight, one has to do with sound, and one has to do with supposing. Had a hard time coming up with that one. Try to get the three S's, you know. But these are three simple things that we can do to prepare our hearts for Christmas. Number one, prepare your heart through sight. As we go through life, we can become so occupied with ourselves and our own situations that you know what happens? We lose sight of others. That we don't see the people around us because we're so busy looking at ourselves. God wants us to know that there's a whole huge world out there. 
and is filled with things that he has created and is filled with people that he loves. And God imparts this wisdom to us through Job. And Job said in chapter 22, verse 12, Is not God in the height of heaven? Look also at the distant stars, how high they are. Look at the heavens and see, and behold, the clouds, they are higher than you. And I think God is using Job to get us to learn how to look beyond ourselves. We look beyond ourselves. There's a whole creation out there that's bigger than us. God wants you to see a world that's bigger than you. Then we get to the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now we're really looking deeper. You know, first we were looking out, now we're looking deep, looking at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen, oh, they're only temporal. But the things which are not seen, the things that we don't recognize, you know, there's stuff going on all around us, there's stuff going on in us, we don't recognize it, that's eternal. That's the stuff that lasts forever. So to the Christians in Philippi, that city of Philippi, they were a rather poor group. There were a lot of retired military personnel. They were living week to week. And yet Paul said to them, that didn't have much, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Even though you don't have much, I want you to keep your eyes open. And I want you to see the other people that are around you. It's not so important just to look around you and not just to look at you, but there's a world of hurt out there. That's what God wants us to understand. There's a world of hurt. And if we're occupied with ourselves, we'll never see it. If we're consumed with us, we'll never be aware of what's really going on. Imagine, you could be the vessel that God uses to bring a little hope to someone. It's easy to give hope. All you have to do is have it. If you have it, you can give it. Oh, you can't give what you, can't, what you don't have. But if you've got hope, and if you've got Christ, you should have hope, then you can give hope. You can give hope to people. We not only prepare our heart for Christmas by sight, by looking around us and seeing the world around us and the needs around us, we also prepare our heart for Christmas by sound. Now, sound has two aspects to it. Number one, what you hear, and the other one, oh, what others hear from you. In other words, what you say. As we enter the Christmas season, it's not only important to see what's going on around you, but what is being said around you. You know, if you listen to people, you're going to hear some things. We had a beautiful Thanksgiving service last Wednesday. And um, most, about 90-something percent of the thanks that were given to God came from people that went through very, very adverse circumstances. Like, it wasn't God, thank you, because I hit the lottery. 
Oh God, thank you for the new car. Oh God, thank you for the puppy. It was when God was there for them in their sicknesses and in their poverty and in their afflictions and in their trials and tribulations and things weren't good and they thanked God for being there. That was incredible because there are, there are things in life that try to pick at our emotions and get our emotions to turn us away from God or to get us down or discouraged. You know what the three top negative emotions are? Number one is sadness. That comes from depression, despair, hopelessness. Then the second one is anxiety. That comes from fear and worry, nervousness, panic, concern. And then the third one, anger. That comes from irritation, frustration, annoyance, rage. You know, there's a lot of people that are going through life today and they are experiencing sadness, anxiety, and anger. And you can see it and you can hear it. And what do you do when you come across someone like that? Well, you know what Solomon said in Proverbs 25, which is considered the book of wisdom, because the Proverbs has a lot of good, smart stuff in it. You know, be good to read, read a chapter a day and make a difference. But in Proverbs 25, verse 11, here's what he said. Like apples of gold. Picture nice little golden apples, right? Kind of cool looking. Like apples of gold and settings of silver. In other words, it's a beautiful picture, right? is a word spoken in right circumstances. I think the King James says, is a word fitly spoken. I like that. Saying the right thing at the right time. Being aware of what the other party is feeling and saying the right thing. Not pushing them over the edge. Not making them worse. But saying the right thing to try to bring them back. He said, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. This one takes two people. It takes the people, the person that's willing to listen, and then the other person that's willing to speak, to speak words of wisdom. Because someone speaking words of wisdom won't have any benefit if it falls on deaf ears. And yet someone that wants to hear something good won't benefit if the person speaking to them doesn't offer them wise words. Sight and sound. Isn't that what makes up most of our lives? Right? Sight and sound. For how many people, you, you get in your car, you turn on the car, what's the next thing you do? Turn on the radio? Except in January you turn on the heat. Then you turn on the radio. How many turn on the radio when they get in the car? Okay. How many get up in the morning and you get it when you get over there to it, you turn on the TV? Right? Sight and sound. We always have to see, we always have to hear. We're not comfortable in a quiet house. You gotta have some noise. You gotta have something going on. You gotta play music. You gotta have the news. You gotta have something. You gotta tell, teach the bird to sing. Sing, Pee Wee, sing. You know? You gotta have something. 
That was my first parakeet, Pee-wee. My only parakeet. We got so hungry, we just had to... No, kidding. What we see and what we say, that is so important. Imagine realigning what we see, realigning what we say for the Christmas season. Paul said in Colossians 4, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Those are people that are far from God. They don't know God yet. I always like to put on yet. They don't know God yet. There's going to be a lot of family gatherings this year. You're going to be around people that don't know God yet. Let God use you to bring them to learn a little bit more about God. Here's how you do it. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Though we don't speak the same way to every person, each person is in a place, is in a situation, is in a circumstance, and we have to have graceful speech to meet them right where they are. So Paul is saying, let your speech preserve someone else from corruption, like salt does. Salt protects food from corruption. Speech, graceful speech, can protect people from corruption, their thoughts from corruption. Toxic thoughts, toxic words, toxic deeds. Starts in the mind, works its way through the mouth, and then it becomes an action. Now, so far in preparing our hearts for Christmas, we're looking around at what we see, we're being available. Every year at Christmas, I remind everybody listen, when you go out shopping, put some dollar bills in your pocket. And when you go by the kettle, put a dollar in. When somebody says, do you want to donate to the food bank? Give them the dollar. When somebody says, you want to give to give them. You know why? It's freeing. It's freeing to do that. By the end of the season, it's not going to cost you that much. And it's, it's healthy to give. I met someone recently, and they said to me, I got my dollars in my purse. <laughs> I didn't even talk about it. They didn't even come to this church, but they heard about it. I said, I got, my dollars in the, I got my dollars in my purse. I'm ready for the Christmas season. I said, wow, that's awesome. So I had to go home and get my dollars. So, wow. The last thing I had before we received communion, we, we prepare our hearts by supposing maybe things aren't as they really appear. Do you ever think that when you see something, well, maybe it's not really like that? Maybe I've got a, a, an image of something, but that's not really the reality. This supposition goes in two directions, one toward others, the other one toward Christ. There are various ways others may upset you. The way they drive. Anybody? That was me, sorry. <laughs> their impatience, right? Impatient people. Their confusion. Their unpreparedness in line. You know, they got 10 minutes in line getting everything ready, but when they come up to the register, they're not ready. Oh, where's my wallet? Oh, wait, coupons, they're in the car. Can you wait one minute? 
Here, honey, take the 10. <laughs> but now, so we look at all these situations, right? Just suppose that they are going through something so serious, they're just not thinking straight that day. A bad experience can really distract someone from straight thinking. So suppose things aren't really as you see them. I remember reading about a woman, true story, she ran a stop sign, police car was there, took off after her, pulled her over, went up to her, she's crying. Ma'am, you know you ran a stop sign? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I didn't see it, oh. I gotta pay attention, you know, where are you going? I'm going home. Where are you coming from? I'm coming from the cemetery, I just buried my husband. Where's your mind? Her mind wasn't on driving. Her mind was on something. It's amazing how many people that upset us, their minds might be on something else. They have no clue. They have no idea. There's always a backstory. So let's not be so quick to judge because there always is a backstory to someone's actions. We never know. We never know completely why some things people do, why they do what they do. We just don't know. A story about a father, he took his little boy for a ride in the family car. And they went out looking at all the fancy cars people are driving. And, because um, they love sports cars. So when they got back to the house, mom wanted to know, hey, how'd the drive go? What kind of cars did you see? And uh, the little boy piped up, well, we saw one Porsche, three Mercedes, two BMWs, four idiots, and two jerks. <laughs> See? You don't know. You never know why that person did what they did. If you really want to prepare your heart for Christmas, and this is probably the, the greatest one, look at Christ. Look at Christ. Suppose Jesus never came. What if the atheists had their way? What if all the atheists had their way and there was no Jesus anymore? Didn't exist. Couldn't talk about him. Couldn't do anything. You know what? This would be a world without hope. Be a sad world. It'd be a dying world. Because life without hope is a sad life. And it's a misdirected life. Life without hope is a life that's going in the wrong direction. Jesus died so we could be on the road that leads to life, not the road that leads to destruction. He died so we could be alive, so we could live alive. So now I suppose then Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without Christ, would it? Imagine that. How can you have Christmas without Christ? But that's exactly what the world is trying to do. Take Christ out of Christmas. Christmas is Christ. So when I keep Christ in my Christmas, this keeps me oriented to what's important about the season. Always come back to what's important. Whatever the problem is, what's the problem? Find out what's important. And that'll help solve the problem. Got a problem in the family? Okay, 
What's the most important thing about the family? Got a problem with the job? What's the most important thing about the job? You got, the, you got a problem with your friend? What's the most important thing about our friendship? And you'll discover that there are some steps that you can take to resolve whatever those issues might be. Because sometimes we lose sight of what's really important. And what's really important with Christmas is Christ. It's not, do I have enough to celebrate? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough friends? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get invited to a party. No, it's Christ. Christ is the important thing. The Bible tells us, when the fullness of the time came, in other words, at the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that means in Jewish time, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus came at the right time. When was that? Oh, about 2,000 years ago. God had it all figured out. He had it all planned out. They were going to go to Bethlehem, and he knew, guess what? No room in the end. That's okay. I got a plan. Put him in the stable. Yeah, but Herod, he's going to kill all the babies. That's okay. I got a plan. And these are the wise men. Yeah, but how, how are they going to escape? They don't have any money. I got a plan. They're going to have some gold. I'm going to give them a big chest full of gold. They'll be able to go support themselves for a few years with the gold. See, God always has a plan. Always. Think about it. God works in our lives in just the right way at just the right time. So with all that we can do to prepare ourselves for Christmas, just try to remember these three simple things. Number one, look around. As you go through life, look around. There might be somebody that needs a little hand or a little handout, or a little help. Be sensitive to that. Look around. Number two, prepare your heart by listening to what people are saying, and listen to what you say. We need to think first, okay, is what I'm going to say going to give life, or is it going to give death? And if we let, if we really think about it, probably a lot of things we take back before we say them and find better words. Because we want to be beautiful like apples of gold and settings of silver. So I prepare my heart by listening to what I hear and listening to what I say. And then thirdly, I'm going to keep Christ in Christmas. It's all about Christ. And how do you keep Christ in Christmas? You know what you got to do? You got to keep him in your heart. I would recommend read a chapter a day in one of the Gospels, maybe Luke for Christmas. Chapter a day, or Matthew, got about 28 chapters in Matthew, and keep focused on Christ. Then, I'm going to give you a 30-day, 28-day challenge. Listen to nothing but Christian music. Nothing but Christian music. There's FM stations, there's satellite radio, there's CDs, there's whatever. There's plenty of music out there. You can go on YouTube and Pandora, all those things, and get a steady diet of Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. Steady diet of Jesus. And you see, 
if it doesn't make a difference. 28 days. Can you give 28 days to God like that and let God fashion you and shape you? And I'll tell you what, by the time we get to Christmas, oh, we're going to have a whole different perspective. It will be the best Christmas you ever had because Christ is in you and he's bursting out. He's actually living through you. So let's keep that in mind as we get ready for communion. Let's bow our heads. Well, Father, I thank you that as we embark on this season, that we can begin to prepare our hearts and get them ready for the greatest celebration the world has ever known, the greatest birthday party that goes on all over the world. Thank you, Lord, all over the world. Every tribe, every country, every nation celebrating the birth of Christ. God, we as your people help us to be mindful and to really implement the best we can the things that we heard today, to be intentional with this message. And then if there are some here that are not truly born of God, we, we want to help you right now. We want to help you get in a relationship with God. Because God loves you. You know, God never made a person he didn't love. He loves everyone. And he desires everyone to be with him in eternity. And there's only one way you can do it, and that's by faith. By believing. That's what counts. By believing in Jesus and who he is and what he did. And if you've never intentionally expressed faith in Christ before, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You can do it. You can do it. We're going to do it together. And you'll know that you are a child of God, that you have the assurance of heaven. So I'm just going to pray a little prayer. You can follow along in your heart. Say, yes, God, that's my prayer. That's all you have to do. So I'm going to pray. Dear God in heaven, I know I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior. I believe he's God. He came from heaven, came to earth, took on the form of a human, lived a perfect life, and he went to a cross and they crucified him. And he shed his blood. And when his blood poured out, it was the covering of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And then he died. And they buried him in a tomb. Oh, but three days later, he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. So God, I'm coming to you right now. Not based on who I am or anything I can do, but based on who Jesus is and what he did for me. Because of him, I ask you to forgive me and save me and make me your child. service and what a way to celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Christmas by receiving the greatest gift. I want to invite you to come to our Christmas services. Christmas Eve, 7 p.m. Christmas morning, 10 a.m. Two opportunities to come out. Celebrate the Lord. Thanks for coming along today. Have a great day. We'll see you next time for more.